Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, Feisties. I am so glad that you're here. Um, I just wanted to tell you how amazed I am every week at the people I get to talk to on this podcast, and especially their stories and the many, many ways that I relate to them, and I hope that you all do as well. It's like, it's so cool to me how like each person who's come on this podcast, every person I interview has overcome some kind of difficulty and turned that into creating incredible value for other people. So if you think of someone like Alyssa Olenek, who channeled her desire to learn more about physiology uh, because of her own struggles into women-specific research, um, which is obviously so needed in the exercise physiology space, to Diane from last week, uh, who is working so hard to increase representation of people of color in diving, Lauren Fleshman telling her story, writing a New York Times bestseller and inspiring literally millions of people who read her book. And this week's guest is no exception to this trend. Ever since I started Feisty, honestly, like on a number of occasions, people have said to me things like, have you heard of Trail Sisters? You need to meet Gina. Um, so I've been hearing the name Gina Lucrezzi for several years. And I think it's because a lot of people um, potentially considered us to be like-minded. Um, so now that I finally got to meet her and interview her, I think that those people were right. Um, for those of you who don't know Gina, she is the founder of Trail Sisters, an organization whose mission is to increase women's participation and opportunity in trail running and hiking through inspiration, education, and empowerment. And I can tell you, if you go to the Trail Sisters website, we will put that uh, link in our show notes. She does, her and her organization do exactly that. She's definitely a woman after my own heart who noticed at a young age the preferential treatment of male athletes in running um, and also in the sports industry broadly and decided she was going to do something about it. I absolutely love hearing from people who have a desire to make things better for people who are coming up behind them. And in Gina's case, that's women and girls who enjoy hiking and running, and then have also the drive and tenacity to use that desire to create something that is enduring. I absolutely loved hearing about the process of how Trail Sisters was built. At first, it was a side hustle for Gina, and then it became her full-time job, and then her husband's job with ambassadors and chapters all over the U.S. 
And if that wasn't enough, Gina is also the deputy mayor of her Colorado town. Uh, Before we get into the interview with Gina, just an update. Last week, I told you about our new, I think last week, maybe the week before, uh, I started to talk about our new feisty course that is dropping in April called Fueled, a comprehensive nutrition course for active women. I think last week I said it goes on sale April 5th. I was mistaken. It actually goes on sale April 12th. The course itself, if you're interested, is designed to help women embrace food, all food, and harness its power through every stage of life to be your happiest, healthiest, most powerful, best. So the course has six modules, and in the final module, you do have an opportunity to create your own fueling plan. We definitely take a very unique approach to nutrition that is very women-specific, focused on active women who are busy, busy, <laughs> like like so many of us. So if you want to check that out, the link will be in the show notes. But without any further delay or rambling from me, let's hear from Gina. Gina, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. We just had a little technical snafu there a minute ago, so I'm glad that we made it back and we are now recording. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, so very happy to have you. Well, thanks. This is exciting. I'm excited to share what I know and you know answer any questions you have. Cool. So this morning I was like perusing the Trail Sisters website and like you're very, the the quote right at the top says like, as a woman athlete and outdoor industry professional, I couldn't stand by and allow the current culture to continue down a path that, that does not include adequate female representation. And I just like related to that a lot. You know, at, at Feisty, we say our mission is building an empowering culture for active women. Um, and then the question often that I ask myself and that people ask us is like, well, how do you do that? <laughs> right. So how do you do that? Well, I mean, I'm like, that's like the most loaded question ever. No. <laughs> it is totally. <laughs> it's like huge too. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, in short, well, I don't know if that's, a, I can even say in short, but I mean, it's like chipping away at something you figure out where you do have a foothold and, and, the action items that you can actually process and what you can do to actually move things forward. You know, for some, it just starts, it's just, you know, having conversations or talking about it, using your voice is great. But for me, I um, kind of decided, okay, I can do that, but I'm only getting more frustrated and and people might listen, but I needed something more tangible. And so with some of my background, um, you know, whether it was work for Trailer Magazine or some other areas, um, I figured out how, okay, well, why don't I create a journal or why don't I do something concrete where I actually have some other version of reach just instead of, you know, verbally chatting with somebody about it or putting a post somewhere. I mean, don't get me wrong. Social media posts are great, but I wanted to kind of make more of a, an imprint somewhere or, or I don't know, gain a little bit more ground. So that's kind of how it started um, in terms of trying to make a difference was to come up with something a little bit more concrete and tangible that other people could really latch on to. So that was the beginning. I guess I'll leave it there. Though. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it sounds like it's a story here, you know? So like when you started that journal, did it catch on quickly or what kinds of, um, what types of things were you sharing that you found were resonating with people? So the first, like first and foremost, the most 
the thing that was important was really just the female perspective and voice. And mm-hmm. I had reached out to seven other uh, women that were my, my buddies at, you know, at the time, um, we we're probably all in one type group and we're all, I'd say like professional athletes in that, in that moment. Now, since the journals turned into something that's obviously crowdsourced, but a very broad spectrum um, experience and just uh, well experience and diversity in every way possible. If you, if you put it that way, you know, pace backgrounds, you know, um, beginner veteran, all the things in different ways. And so, um, so it was really important to kind of create that groundwork because I thought, well, if we we had this and everybody felt welcome to be here and to share their story, I mean, it, it kind of grew like wildfire that, hey, if, if if Shirley could write a story, so could Susie, you know, like it turned into something where people saw, hey, there's an open microphone. They didn't need to have some prerequisite or some standard of, of writing, but it was just a way that they can make an impact and be heard and hopefully to inspire others. So it caught on fairly quick, I think, you know, we would put it out on our social media and and um, the seven of us, each one of our stories. And then we had people write in saying, hey, could I, can I share my story? And that's where it really kind of took off away from just like the seven of us and turned it into something that was obviously much larger. But when I started it, I didn't really know what it was going to be. I just knew that there needed to be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think, what specifically did you feel was missing, you know, like from the conversation, especially in like in the outdoor industry or in running like that, your female perspective kind of brought. Sure. So, I mean, I guess for me to answer that, the best thing for me to do is kind of share some of the areas that I had insight to already. You know, I was mm-hmm. marketing, a man, I was a marketing manager for shoe organization, well, shoe company. I mm-hmm did a ton of CS for that customer service for that same organization and working in the journalism realm with trail runner. I even had an opportunity to work with I run far. And then I did a lot of um, consultant work um, and being a contractor as well for different brands for, you know, athlete management, and other types of marketing projects. And then I ran professionally as well. So it kind of felt like I had this full circle scope of all the aspects of what would be the outdoor, the, the running industry. And within that time frame, and you know, I, I would say, I don't think, I don't think people or the industry was generally trying to leave anybody out intentionally. I just think it was, hey, this is just what it was year after year. It becomes um, normalized to, hey, this is how things are. So people miss it um, or miss like the inequalities that are kind of embedded within the system. Yeah, and so, um, so. I mean, anything from, you know, lack of product for women compared to men, you know, meaning there's like two shirts for women and 10 for men, or even in, um, you know, articles and things like that, there, you know, so many more that were penned by men or from the male perspective or or speaking about the male performance at a race, um, even comes down to photos, you know, with the photo, the photos all from male photographers, you know, and how many of these photos are of, you know, women versus men. And, and I mean, if you dig a little deeper, what type of photos are they, if they are of women, is it always just the one type of woman? Is it always just the, the, you know, the gorgeous, you know, probably not realistic person, you know what I mean? Like what is, mm-hmm. so there's, um, there were so many different things. I actually got to a point where, I couldn't stop seeing things. 
you know, people, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just kind of like, and it would, where it just was great in a way, but after a while, it's like, oh my God, put the blinders on. Like, I don't, I need a break, yes. you know, I don't want to see everything. But once you're tuned into it, it's hard to stop. So those are just some examples of what I would, what I had been seeing. I mean, there's, there's many, many more, but I guess mm. generally I could I'd start with that. Yeah. It's, isn't that so true? Actually, I've, I've thought that recently within the last week that like, when you start to see the ways in which the world was not designed for you from whatever that is, it's like for us as women, or um, if you, you know, for black women or for whatever LGBTQ, like whoever you, whatever perspective you're coming at it from, right. When you start to see it, it's just like this cascade of like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like, and then like, oh man, like how do we how do we change it? How do you kind of like cope with that feeling? So that's a great question. Cause it's it's actually really tricky because you sit there and you get really frustrated. That was the that was the issue. And it's like I was getting angry about it because I'm like, why, you know, I'm you know, out out there as an athlete doing my thing. I'm like, I'm doing just as much as the dude over here, but he's getting all, you know, all the love and all the attention and bit, you know, and over here, this guy is not, I'm doing way better than him. And he still gets all, you know, the media or, or the sponsorship deal. And it was just, you know, you wanted to just, I don't know, rage on somebody and be <laughs> super feisty and go after it. And so that's yeah. kind of how I felt, but I was like, okay, well, my coping mechanism was to don't get you know, essentially mouthy with everybody, but to actually take action and figure out how I could create a, sp you know, a space within the industry that could force an impact, mm -hmm. you know, um, and this kind of maybe, I don't know if I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit here, but I've learned very quickly that if you can get yourself in a role that has the ability to make policy, like if you can join a board or a committee or or even having an organization as such, right? Like what you guys are doing, what Trail Sisters doing and having the opportunity to inspire and kind of um, provide guidance for others out there into, hey, here's how we can all make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, it really does make that change versus just kind of standing on the podium by yourself somewhere and just yelling your head off, which, Trust me, it does it does make make some movement, but yeah. I don't know if it's everlasting movement. What you need is you need an army and you need essentially policy and, and rules to go in place to really, I think, affect the long run of like a cultural change, if you will. Yeah, that's so interesting. So like I, what I heard you say there was like, you know, I thought about this a lot is like how there's a there's two there's essentially two main ways to make change, either like from inside where you're seeing mm -hmm. like get yourself in a position where you can the influence the policy making or from the mm -hmm. outside like a trail sisters type organization where you're building where you're building something that's outside of what's already been built do you mm -hmm. like have you been involved in boards and that policy making side before so um so everything really started with trail sisters i was not on any boards or interested in, in that area before that i've i've learned a lot in the process of creating trail sisters actually i didn't mm -hmm. you know it was a passion project now it's a full-time job for my husband and I. We have a, a part-time contractor and we'll probably be expanding after that too. But like we have all the ideas in the, you know, ideas in the world and all the things we want to do. But you know, you gotta what is it? You eat the elephant one bite at a time to think. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but um but through that process, I, you know, had 
found interest in getting more involved in different ways. And um, I was invited to work with the Hard Rock 100 board. So that was one of the first boards I've joined. Um, and we've been able to do things there. Like anything, it takes time. And, you know, it's a group of people making a decision. It's not just one. So, you know, if not everybody always agrees on certain things, so it takes time to get things done. But the positive thing is that there is conversation, there is discussion, and that there is movement. So, like you know, everything takes time. But I'm also, and this doesn't necessarily correlate to Trail Sisters, but um, where I live, I'm the training director, which is a board member role for uh, our local search and rescue organization. Mm. And so, you know, just understanding policy with that. And I'm also mayor pro tem, which is essentially vice mayor of the town I live in as well. So well, lots of municipal government. Of the town? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like kind of like, well, that's, you know, yeah. But um, that started what? with... Yeah, I know. Really random. It's yeah. so random. Like, I'm just so like, curious what that job involves, you know? So, yeah, so the town, we have, you know, our, our board of trustees and they're kind of your, they're appointed by the people of the town. And so, you know, you do your meetings, you have all kinds of resolutions and policies and things presented to you from your town staff. Um, yeah, and you help to, you know, if you will, govern the town doing, I mean, we work for the people, but we're the ones to help put things in place. And the, what a mayor pro tem is, it's just, I'm one of the trustees, but I'm a, um, appointed by my fellow trustees to be what would be the vice mayor, because then we all, obviously we have a mayor in town, but if um, the mayor can't perform her duties or is sick or is traveling, then I fill in and as the acting mayor. So, um, but just... And I know this is a side note, we're talking running and trail sisters, but I would encourage any woman to get involved in any form of like whatever, whether it's like organizing committees or commissions or your municipal government or any any roles like that, just to understand a little bit better of how things work and to realize the the opportunity you have to actually, you know, make an impact in in whatever those areas are. We don't really have a lot of women in those in C-suites or in government and local politics or whatever you want to say, even down to little committees and things like that. They all they all make a difference. And if you realize that being on those, that's you get to make you're a part of that policy making and people have to follow policy. So mm -hmm. but we need people there to help create those policies. So if they're not if you're not involved at that level, it's sometimes really hard to to make those changes. Sorry, that's my plug for like local government too. <laughs> no, I love it. But, and even like, that's where you start, right? Like, even if you end up, if you end up moving your way up, if you go from, you know, if you go up to mayor or, or governor or whatever is next, right? It's like you, that's where you start. You have to start yes. somewhere on somewhere serving the people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like that was the thing it kind of tied in it was obviously stuff with town is not the same as what trail sisters is but the principles are kind of the same trying to take what the people need figure out the best ways to suit them make them happy you know create a good environment for them you know equity of all all different you know um aspects mm -hmm. and then put it into place with you know the ability you have using the resources or you know, via policy and things like that. So it's kind of identical ideas, just very different topic matters. So, and to be honest, I live in quite a small town, Buena Vista, Colorado. When we say Buena Vista, we don't say Buena. And so somebody will listen to this and be like, Gina, does you know how to say it? Like, 
And yet you uh, got government. elected as vice mayor. <laughs> well, 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 if you live here, that's the thing. If you live here, yeah. everybody lives here, says Buna, because some a German woman, I guess, named the town and that's how she said it. And that's that's so that's appropriate protocol for here. But if you're outside of the town or outside of Colorado, most of the time we just call it Buena. But you get so but I'd be I'd be deep doo-doo if I were to say that to my community members that way. Cause be like, right. it's Buna, what the heck? <laughs> Anyway, total side note. <laughs> that was a good um, side note, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I have a couple questions there along the way. Like you mentioned that, you, you know, you started with seven elite athletes kind of writing this journal. Um, and then you started to include more perspectives. Is that something that you like that you saw slowly, like the need to include more perspectives? Or d- did you kind of realize that going in? But it was just like you and your seven, you and your six friends and you started it, you know, like, was there a moment when you thought, oh, actually I do need to share from like different perspectives from all different quarters of the running world. So I think it was, so we started it was it April, April 11th of 2016. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just so anxious to sit down at my kitchen table that day and just like put my square state, square space site together, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like went for it. And, um, and I, what I remember is that the idea was to start with this, with the ambition to grow and have more contributors or more people kind of share their story. I didn't know who that would be yet, but I just knew I was like, okay, to get this going, I need at least seven, you know, or whatever, a, a chunk of people that would do it. And, and I was looking for some people that had also, you know, well, they were my friends. So that was fairly easy in trying to coerce them mm-hmm. to do it. And they were on board with the whole idea. But also they they carried a little bit of weight in terms of celebrity and, you know, for right. running, if you will. So that was good to help get it out there. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we had people start to reach out that obviously weren't, you know, uh, maybe they weren't like an elite runner. I I that I was like, this is great. It's it's reaching to somebody. And the idea right off the bat was we all have different perspectives and ex- experiences. And I actually welcome that very broad spectrum of voice, even the way people like people type a story, like, is it great to have something written by somebody that's, you know, penned many, many articles in professional journals? Sure. But it's equally as amazing to have somebody that's never done any blog writing before Um, as the person that's actually reading it. There's we have there's so many people reading that some will relate maybe to this one style, but then some might relate to the other style. So having so many varied voices mm. is, you know, not only in what they're sharing, but actually also how they're writing is so important. So um kind of realized that pretty early on, but when I first started it, I didn't know really who to ask. And, you know, it was a little right. bit of like, I just know I need to do something. And as soon as the first person asked, that's when the floodgates opened to be like, oh, okay, we can do more. It doesn't, you know, maybe this is, I just put a call out for contributors and see what happens. Okay. So. And, and over the last, I guess you've been going seven years, almost seven years. Yep. Yep. This April. Woo. Amazing. I'm flies. <laughs> yeah. Have you received any pushback? Um, I mean, yes and no. Nothing that's been... Nothing that's been like super, I don't know, super mean or super harsh. I think most people, I think people that feel that way are either intimidated to maybe say something or maybe deep down inside know that it's, you know, the rest of the world is shifting as well. Like, like they can, you know, 
decide that, hey, women don't have a place in sport or they don't, you know, deserve equity. But generally, they don't take the time to to share that because there's so many other people a part of our organization that will kind of pile on them. So I think there's a little bit of a fear. It's not the right place. It's it's we're not the bear to poke. You know, they can go and troll around in the little areas they want with other folks that are angry about it. But, um, you know, every once in a while I get challenged on some version of a topic or something. And, you know, and sometimes it's really, it's a great learning exercise. And like, well, that that's a decent point, you know, um, well, you know, what can I do to maybe, you know, figure things out in a better respect to what they're asking, or is there some other way that makes this person not feel maybe as though they, um, maybe they feel as though they're losing a piece of the pie or they're losing some form of equity and just trying to hear their perspective kind of helps you strengthen your, your arguments moving forward, but also see the different perspectives, which is, it's all, it's all important. Everybody's opinion matters, but I, I haven't encountered too much of like, you know, the people that want to sit there and just totally fire away on you in a, in that response. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm glad I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, it could, but I might just ignore it if it's that mean. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what I always, if it happens with us, I always take it as a a compliment. Like we're getting big enough to actually reach people who don't immediately agree with us. Right. So if you (laughs) want to tell me women's sports are boring all over my social media, I'm like, great. At least our post reached you, (laughs) you know, that's a good point. You know, um, was like, um, have you ever heard this one where people are like, it goes more with like professionals, like basketball or things like that. You know, they're like, well, nobody watches it. That's why, you know, and I'm like, so my undergrad degree is television film. Mm-hmm. And I'm like sitting here, like I've gone through all these, cl- I'm like, yeah, people don't watch it because it's not on prime time when people have the ability to actually understand and enjoy and like latch on to it. You put it, at, you know, on random channels that people mm-hmm. a don't have generally or they have to pay for it don't even know about it you don't advertise it you know you don't give women the opportunity to become you know in that limelight you know so it's just funny and you tell somebody that they're like oh I didn't think of it like that like well yeah yeah (laughs) but it's yeah sorry anyhow no, it's just, I like, I love what's happening in women's sports now where you're starting to see like the women's games filling out stadiums, like in soccer and basketball, like you mentioned, and it's so exciting for, um, I don't know, for those of us who were around in the eighties <laughs> when we could only watch women, like on the, during the Olympic games coverage or whatever, um, right? mm-hmm. oh. but did you have, <laughs> did you have a, t- a time, like when you were a kid or a young person, like where you first kind of noticed or realized that women were underrepresented? Yes, but I didn't, I realize it now. And at the time, I don't think I understood what I was feeling or noticing, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So totally. for instance, um, when I was in high school, I was, a, I was, a, this sounds really corny, but I was like a basketball manager. So I don't know, we, we had, you know, boys basketball team, girls basketball team, and for some reason, I don't know if it was tied into like honor society, try to do all these things, whatever. Anyway, but I remember being a basketball manager and our school was, our high school was just kind of rebuilt a little bit. And um, so we had these new locker rooms for the men's team and the women's team or whatever. But um, they kept this old men's locker room that had been with the original high school for years, right? The paint's all chipping away and it's 
kind of funky and this little like cave like feeling like tradition in history had happened there right so anyway <laughs> so you know we would um have to cut up the oranges and you know take their sweats back so they're back in the locker room for halftime mm -hmm. like the more i think about i'm like oh god you know it's just like oh it feels weird <laughs> like i can't believe i did this anyhow i remember being in that locker room and i was envious of the fact that here's a special place that you know the men's team got to come into during halftime and utilize and whatever it was it was a place in their minds of glory and tradition and that hubris and and though you know the school just you know revamped and reconstructed a lot of new things you know there was another locker room for the away the men's away team and then there you know the women's uh locker room which was great it was brand new so people would be like why are you complaining you have a nice new locker room but it bothered me that it was okay to keep that locker room, this historic room for the dudes but for us we didn't have that there was nothing special for us there was no there was no tradition there was no I don't even know the right word and or I might need a little bit of time to come up with a better yeah. word but like that's not legacy, just, you know? Like, yes, yeah. yes. And it made me sad. It made me yeah. sad because I wanted to go into a locker room that felt I had pride for and there was something like that legacy feeling. And I realized, you know, as I got older, I'm like, well, you know, you had Title IX that, you know, they had been playing sports and utilizing that space for years before, you know, Title IX and all that. And, but it just... I think that was one of the first moments it just I was depressing because I felt like there's nothing special like this for me and I was a pretty darn I was a pretty accomplished high school athlete and you know there'd be the football games and you'd have the pep rallies for our football team who was so so right mm -hmm. but we'd have to stop the show and celebrate and here I'd my senior year I'd won every cross-country race I ran except for districts and states and I'd set all those set a record on all those courses so i was i was probably the best athlete in our school but there was no there was no fanfare you yeah. know what i mean like so it was and that sounds I'm not trying to toot the horn but in terms of comparison i was a female cross-country runner i also played field hockey at the same time which is a whole other story which our team was actually really really good too but there was there was just nothing special about it so in those later stages of of high school kind of seeing that i knew about it but as i've gotten older and, and now i'm just it's almost not horrified you know i don't think anybody thought they were doing anything wrong but now i'm just like man you know the young girls today in those situations you know they don't i'm sad for them if they're being treated that way because how do they how they go on feeling as though they're unique and able and they have all the you know all the rights in the world to have that same fanfare and celebration that what they're doing is just as special, you know? Mm. So I don't know, got a little on a tangent. This happens sometimes on podcasts, so beware. Totally, I don't think, I don't even, <laughs> I'm just asking, I had a list of questions and then I made a whole other list over here as we're talking. Like, so I'm also on all kinds of tangents. Um, I'm wondering, you know, in the last, like over the last sort of seven years since you've been building Trail Sisters, like do you, what are the, some of the things that you have seen, even like broadly culturally, what are some of the things that have shifted in the right direction for women in sport or for women in running? Sure. So definitely have seen a, well, definitely have seen a shift in, um, I have seen more articles and more press. Uh, more of a focus on getting that female voice out there in perspective. I've seen um, 
in terms like, I mean, my eyes are pretty close on the media for a lot of things. So I see that. I mean, that's the easiest thing I guess to take notice of, but even photos and, and so having more women on covers of magazines, but not just the certain type of women, but a variety, right? We're talking about the spectrum. So also engaging or those, those entities opening up to, Hey, it's not just women, but we want to talk to like a diverse set. And I think that's important. Granted, we have so far to go to, you know, uh, you know, seeing things change for white women is, you know, you see that, but there's like, there, you know, the whole spectrum of diversity we're, we're sorely lacking and there should be mm-hmm. so much more push in those areas. Um, you know, so when, you know, when I say women and things like that, you know, some people I think are, are, are receiving a little bit more than everybody. So there's still a lot of work to be done in all those different areas, mm-hmm. but I'm glad the door is opening up to that broad, a broad grouping. And then I hope we can continue to do work, you know, in different segments where everybody feels as though they're getting, you know, the equity they deserve. But um, so in terms of, so media, I mean, I think that's, that's, there's a lot more going on in that aspect. I think races have uh, started to consider doing more for women. You see more pregnancy deferrals coming through, which is huge. Um, let's see. So there's, you know, here every once in a while you hear a little extra if they have some version of childcare or something like that. I don't think that's super common. Um, I also don't, you know, and like, I mean, shoot, I'm a race director. And so we've looked into it and it's, it's not as, it's not as simple as you think putting together because of different rules and regulations and where it's hosted and, you know, and some people, the funny thing is you even have some folks um, or parents that kind of are a little nervous to actually drop kids off because they're like, well, are these people okay? You know, like there, you could think about a gazillion things, but it's not as um, simple as you'd, you think, but I hope that in time, there is a simple process for it to be something that is, you know, uh, common, a common thing at, especially longer races, or at least maybe for some aspect of a race, maybe it's just a short time frame, but something, um, anyway, um, yeah, childcare. Tangent. Even like, even like the simple <laughs> things like, like childcare. That's a good one. Or even like simple things like tampons and aid stations. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's some things that you that that are clearly shifting, right? It's like, oh yeah, why didn't we always? Why didn't I think? You know, even like ten years ago, why didn't we think of the fact that that doesn't exist? Like it didn't. We didn't even consider it. You know, and now it's like, oh, of course. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, with our, so we do the whole trail sisters approved thing. And so one of the standards is to have menstrual project products on the aid station table, not like in a, you know, first aid box somewhere hidden in the back of the truck, or, you know, we wanted to have women to avoid the situation of having to try to find the, you know, a female aid station worker and whisper in her ear, Hey, do you have a tampon I can borrow? Right. Right. You know? Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is you have all this chafe cream out there that people are slathered and putting all over the place. And you can't tell me that's any, any different in terms of potentially like, ugh. you know, like people say, well, I don't want to see that it's, it's, you know, in a pro- whatever, you know, they yeah. have that mindset of it's dirty or something. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Every woman goes through this and and secondly, you have chafe cream that you're slathering in areas that are, yeah. you know, I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, how is this? Come on, you're taking care of your man parts and we can't, you know, heaven forbid. You know, so yeah, totally. It just, 
okay for some and not for others. And so you have, you just said uh, Trail Sisters approved. So you have a way oh. of kind of certifying um, races that are like, tell me about that. Sure. So a couple of years ago, we started what's called the Trail Sisters approved standards. And um, we came up with a list that was, it was uh, created with runners and RDs. And so it wasn't, you know, just myself and just and my husband, like just throwing these out here. So it was a group of people. And we came up with five standards that we thought would be, that we wanted to achieve that, um, I'm sorry, that we wanted race directors to embrace and to achieve this welcoming feel for any woman that comes to a race to be like, hey, okay, they're, they have me in mind with their event. Mm-hmm. And what those five things were or are equal uh, podium spots, you know, top three for men, top three for women, equal prizes. So money goes to, you know, top three men, top three women. Um, if you offer apparel, you know, say you're like freebie race t-shirt type deal that's given away, you have to offer uh, a women's cut and you can offer a men's cut or a unisex, but you can't just offer unisex or just men's and, you know, and say, hey, pick what size you want out of that to fit a female. Oh, you have to always offer a woman's cut. As a side note, I don't know if you've ever seen those companies that make you know, quilts out of like race t-shirts. I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's no, you know, so anyhow, but I always thought like, well, geez, you know, we're keeping those people in business because for years it's always been like these unisex or men's size t-shirts. So you get these shirts and you're like, I'll take a small and it's, you know, it's just drapes. It's like a nightgown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it stinks. You, you, you essentially pay for that with your race fee, but you, you never get to really wear it. You don't get to really enjoy it. And here you could buy a quilt one day with all your oversized shirts, but <laughs> so there's that. And then, um, the menstrual prod- products on eight station tables for, I think anything that was over like a 10 K or longer. And then the last thing was that, um, race directors made it a point to pull more women to the front of their starting lines, whether that meant frequent announcements, inviting them to come to the start, you know, or um, if they wanted to do take their starting line, cut it in half, men on the right, women on the left, just like 10 feet back or something. So just to make sure that that starting line was representative of everybody that was in the actual race, you know, you have your local newspaper come out, they take a picture of the start, because that's what they do. And it's just a bunch of dudes. That doesn't really help grow the sport when all you see is one type of person. So Having, you know, that starting line that shows everybody that's participating is really important for multiple reasons. Mm. So those were our five things. And um, we kind of based off the honor system, to be honest. So you go to the site, you click the boxes, essentially say, I commit. Then you, you know, after you do that, you get this little badge. You can use it wherever you want. Um, this is all on our uh, race calendar page as well. So then we'll put the little badge up automatically if they've listed their race. And all this is free. We don't chart, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with money. We're just trying to, hey, what can we do that the race directors can implement at a like very simple and like no cost? I mean, shoot, they might have to buy, you know, a $20 box of tampons or something. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, you know, like, Big deal, but it's yeah. it shouldn't be anything that's that hard for anybody to implement with their current rules or current situation. So that would hopefully be enough to make somewhat of an impact to show women that hey, look, they they did this, they respect what Trails mm-hmm. is trying to do, and 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 just the space in general. 
So, um, and if are the checks and balance on, on that is, you know, if somebody goes to one of these races and there's, you know, any, let's say they only hand out unisex shirts, but yet the trail sisters approved, usually we'll get an email back saying, Hey, you know, I was at this race and this wasn't happening, you know, and then I can email the race director and we'll have a conversation, but you know, it's all for just to create a better situation for everybody. Nobody's looking to like, we're not trying to have a witch hunt. We're not trying to, you know, we understand these races are the livelihood of these race directors or maybe they're nonprofits, but we don't want to upset their flow, but we're just, you know, Hey, maybe we can help you create a more uh, welcome event to all the participants out there. And here's some easy ways. How. Yeah. I love that approach. That's like so helpful, you know, um, for people rather than like coming at them with a, (laughs) with a hammer, you know? Yeah. Well, sometimes you want to use that hammer, but yeah, sometimes you do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template, and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. 
and I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedda's.com and it will all be in the show notes. Okay, I'll just ask you before we go to, like you mentioned earlier that you, um, do you do crowdfunding? Um, so, so like Patreon, you mean? Well, you know, you mentioned something and I want, I just wanted to bring, we have a lot of like small business owners or people who have, like who have done, who want to do exactly what you've done. Maybe I'll ask this question in a different way and then you can. Okay. Yeah. Like a side hustle, which is like something that they care about a lot and like kind of evolving it into their full-time job. Right. So what advice would you give for those people or how, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah. Ooh, that, I've never had that question before. So that's, that's a really good one. So, um, I guess the best way, my advice, I like, I could just explain what we did. Like, mm-hmm. didn't know this was going to turn to a full-time job. And all I, all I wanted to do was, it was something I was passionate about. And I just wanted to provide people with opportunities to 
the enjoy the sport more and feel welcome. There's no, no financial, anything tied to it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'd say to people that want to make an impact somehow, you don't do it. Hey, you don't, you never do it for the money. If this is, if you're, if the whole intent to do it is just to make money, then like go sell a product, do something different. But if you want to make an impact or you gotta, you gotta be serving a purpose that's larger than the financial aspect. You know, I, like I said, I had no idea this was going to be a job. I assumed I'd be working in the outdoor industry for a brand doing something, maybe marketing, whatever. That's the path I thought I'd be on at this point or where I'd be right now. But, um, in starting this and seeing everybody's appetite for more and that they, I didn't know, I I knew there was a void. I didn't know the void was as big as it was, but then, you know, we decided to make trucker hats and, you know, it was like, well, Hey, this helps pay for the cost of the Squarespace site, you know? So we started doing little things. And next thing you know, I mean, I think we eventually, we have a patron um, account, you know, that people want to donate something great. Um, But we, you know, with the merch we sold, that was kind of a main, um, a main way for us to have some, I guess, finding like how we made some money, if you will, or how, how we could upgrade to a WordPress site and things like that. Right. And so, but, you know, everything we did wasn't, we're not trying to sell a product. We're creating things that hopefully help the community. The community likes it. If they want to support us, they can. I think it's really different when you take the approach of, and hey, I really like baseball caps. And so I'm going to make really cool baseball caps and then I'm going to sell them. And then hopefully I get a community to support my selling of baseball caps. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's much harder if you have a product and you want to sell this product and then grow a community it doesn't work. It's, it's a lot right. harder to do. So we kind of had, well, I don't say accidentally created community, but we did, we created a community and the community really appreciated what we were doing out of, you know, the goodness of our hearts and our time and energy. And they started contributing in different ways to what we are doing, which helped us turn it into a business. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I'm always like, Hey, follow your passions. And I mean, I, I think sometimes doing those things, if you're, if you're out to, I don't know, solve a cause or help something like that. Sure. You might need funding to get things going, but let things like that come to you. And, you know, uh-huh. I, I crowdsource crowdsource things is, I mean, they're great. And I just get nervous to, if that's, if you have to rely on all that just to make it happen, it can be quite, can be quite hard. I think, I think trying to convince people to, to pay you to do something like that is tough. I think sometimes if you're there already presenting them with something you've created Mm -hmm. and they want to give to you, it's a very different uh, mindset and kind of aspect of, of funding. I don't know if this is making any sense, but 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 yeah, like, I mean, a lot of the stuff we do is, it's totally free. We don't, I don't like, I sure there are some things that yes, at this point we need need to put food on our table and we've grown enough that we do have to come up with funding. But a lot of what we do is like, obviously it's a crowdsourced platform in the sense of people contributing articles. Mm -hmm. We'll send them a trucker hat, but I can't pay them for their, you know, their article. And it's, if they want to share, they can, if they don't, they don't have to, it's totally up to them. I will say that I've been contacted people that contribute. Sometimes we have all kinds of people that read our articles. And then um, I actually had somebody reach out to me from um, the today website, like the news uh, organization, Mm -hmm. they read an article and they want to get a hold of um, the writer to ask some questions because they were taken by the, you know, 
I've even had brands telling me before that, yeah, we see that the folks that are really involved with Trail Sisters, those are the people that, you know, when we're looking for ambassadors stand out. So, you know, there's some cool stuff that can come along with it. We can't pay people, but I think when you do good work from your heart and you want to make change for the better, you know, things sometimes that, you know, think things can come along. So I feel like we've just gotten lucky with kind of what we've done with Trail Sisters and the community is what kind of turned us into, uh, I guess, a business, if you will, because it wasn't something Justin and I ever, I mean, Justin didn't work full time until about two and a half years ago. So I was just trying to scrape things together. I remember him saying to me one time, He's like, are you, are you just going to do this? Are you going to like, go get like another type job or are you getting a real job? What's going on? And and it's, and it was funny. I understood what he meant. He was actually at the time, he was the sales director for ultimate direction in the USA. And so I understood he was, what he was saying. Um, But I was like, well, I think there's something here. And I was happy doing the contract stuff because I did that simultaneously but then Trail Sisters got large enough that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this full time. And ironically, then a couple of years later, he's like, oh, well, it looks like maybe we need two full time. So now he works for me. And this is after he's, no, he's great. I couldn't do it. Trail Sisters wouldn't be what it is without him. He does all the IT tech, like um, uh, back, back end of the website type mm-hmm. stuff. And he prints all of our gear. Actually, there's another thing. If, if you're trying to start a business, you've, you work your tail off and you find figure out all the ways you can cut the corners and spending extra money. You know, we make our own merch instead of we used to get it um, done at big printers. And I mean, if you have to, that's fine, but we realized that we might have the time and ability to do some of that ourselves. So we create our own trucker hat. So we have a vinyl cutter and a heat press, you know, having somebody do that, you know, cost us a couple more dollars that way when we sell it, we're able to retain a little bit more and you do that stuff. It adds up. So you try to find those things. We also work a lot harder, many more hours, maybe some normal people, but um, you sacrifice and you, you figure things out. But at the end of the day, if you really love what you're doing and you know, if it allows us to, Hey, I don't feel like working tomorrow on a Wednesday, I can do what I want to do. That's those are the trade-offs. But then sometimes I'm working till 10 o'clock on a Saturday. So exactly. um, Anyway, that's a whole lot of stuff that's all over the place, but yeah, I loved what you said about something I really relate to as well, like building community first right and that's where like because for me i've had i've had this we've had the same journey with feisty too where it's like thinking about like yes we're a business we want to make money but like actually knowing what we want the money for right like really mm-hmm. it's like not trying to make money to pay ourselves more necessarily well maybe sometimes <laughs> like before when we well, were making any money gotta live but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not like that in that way. The way we're trying to scale is so that we can actually help more people because like money helps you give back, right? So when you create that community like you've done, right? And you're like, okay, you create the community, you're listening to them. It's like, what what do you all need, right? And then, oh, you guys want to support with trucker hats? Great, we'll make you some trucker hats or whatever that is, right? So like, I love hearing that too because that's, that's kind of been our process. And I think, like, I wish more businesses i see it more with women-led businesses too like that process of like the community-based almost like product or service Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and you know because that was even with like the trucker hats was just like how can we also get the trail sisters name out there right so it was a really good starting point and trucker hats were really cool i mean i think they're still pretty cool but even a couple of years ago like they were like everybody had a trucker hat and so it was 
so anyway, we did that as some t-shirts, but then, you know, that's so and all, I'm pretty, I'm transparent with this stuff. I don't ever, there's no hiding anything. I, it's open book stuff, but so that's one for where we're at now. That's one aspect. Then we do, we host events and the retreats and that's another, like, so if I say like income buckets for how we survive, it's mm. merch, the events, and then partnerships, mm. you know? So, but what we take from each, obviously there's just the general cost of paying for all, you know, you got to pay the hotel that you stay in. You got to pay for the catering that you have, you know? So you cut that stuff out. Sure. At the end of the day, you have to make something so you can pay your own bills. Mm-hmm. But a lot of this stuff, especially partnership dollars, all of that gets funneled back into the resources we need for the site and how to accommodate all of our group leaders um, and just general things within, uh, you know, the ecosystem of Trail Sisters. Mm-hmm. Like we're working on, um, we'll launch it in May, but um, a whole new, it's kind of a program called the Be a Beginner Program. And it takes some time and energy to gather all of that, but it will be a free program that um, will be resented to all of our local groups. The local group leaders will actually be able to host these but then we'll also have a digital component that anybody that, you know, wants to, you know, go through these courses and enjoy this information is able to, there's no paywall or anything. It's just there for them to enjoy. So, cool. so essentially like, you know, like what you said, it's like, yes, it to, to further and to grow and to do more for your community at a certain point, you do need to gather funds because it's hard to you can't create things out of thin air. Maybe at first you you have some bandwidth to do things, but then, I mean, we all have a certain amount of time and energy we can put into any one thing. Um, and then when you have to start to rely on those other resources, that's when, yeah, you do have to come up with some financial, you know, investments to, to pay for them. But at the end of the day, when it just goes into to help your community and to accommodate them, I feel like it's full circle, you know, they usually come back around, they enjoy that. So maybe, heck, maybe they need a new trucker hat in another month and they'll buy it from you versus somebody else because they really enjoyed the the Be a Beginner program that they just got for free, you know. I don't know. That's kind of how, like, if you do good for people, people generally want to do good back. Totally. I totally agree. The Sorry, it's a Be a Beginner program just for our audience. Oh, uh, it's, sure. it's like they can, folks can get it online in May. So yeah, we we're working on right now behind the scenes stuff. We so we host our race directors for the Lake Sonoma uh, race events in April. So once that's over, then we get to kind of put uh, a full steam ahead on finishing up this program. It's called Be a Beginner, which will then be launched in May. So it'll be on our site, you know, probably mid May timeframe. But the 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 idea behind it is to um, <laughs> knock down every barrier there is. For folks that have never run trails before, or uh, maybe they were never running runner before, or they were road runner, have never done trails, whatever it may be, but just having some simple courses and basic information understanding of kind of different aspects within the sport, whether it's you know just what is trail running, uh, basics on gear, basics on nutrition, technique. Um, uh, uh, trail etiquette, you know, some simple safety stuff. So, um, or awareness, I should say. So simple courses, but what we're crafting will be able to, uh, obviously have a digital component. So people that aren't in the trail sisters, local group can mm-hmm. still go on the website and enjoy it just by reading through everything. But for our local groups, the leaders will be able to take all of this information and host about an hour to a two, or I'm sorry, an hour and a half to a two hour, um, you know, just meet up event maybe once per quarter or twice a year and just 
have uh, folks that have heard of the group but have maybe never shown up because they were worried about it or didn't understand so they could go to that um uh that one you know meetup and and try to get more information and there's not because there's no running involved in this actual course for the in-person stuff it's because that's even a barrier to start with if you don't know anything about it super scary to then go to a meetup group when you're like well, are they going to leave me? Am I fast enough? Like, I don't know if I can go that far. Maybe I just won't go. So this is more of a conversational social event mm -hmm. versus an actual running event, but it's to talk about running and hiking. So that's kind of the premise. Cool. That's not so much a nutshell explanation, <laughs> but <laughs> I anyhow. Okay. So where can we find you? How can we follow Trail Sisters? Sure. So simply, I mean, if you just Google Trail Sisters, you'll find us, but trailsisters.net or .com um, on Instagram, trail underscore sisters. And I mean, other than that, you know, you'll, if if you just remember the word trail sisters, you'll find it. If you that, just put it in your browser. So, so. Google it and it'll come up. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Yes. So. Well, Gina, thank you so much. Thanks for everything you do for the running community and the outdoor community and for women and your advocacy work very much appreciate you and for your time today. Oh yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for everything you're doing. I mean, it takes organizations like ours, I think, to really make change. And mm -hmm. the the more of us, the more people that can do things like this and the communities that are, you know, support us, the better. So kudos mm -hmm. to you as well. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. So thank you. Awesome. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%.
as a lifelong runner and triathlete turned crossfitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tofosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tofosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in Feisty Media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you.